Well, good evening. Good to see you all here this evening. Mandy, that was just beautiful. Thank you so much. We were gonna, I picked that out as one of our hymns tonight, but that was even better, so thank you so much. Um, it's really a humbling and a privilege to be uh, speaking to you tonight. I'm more comfortable behind the piano than behind the pulpit, but uh, you can bear with me. Here it goes. But uh, anyway, I'm excited to share about the message of hope. It's a, it's a wonderful message that we have. As Isaiah prophesied, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, the Gentiles, will hope in him. So we knew even back then there was hope for all of us. So these words of hope, Jesus was born, hope was born. It's difficult, I think, for us to comprehend just how challenging it was at that time. 400 years had passed since Malachi had last prophesied. Jeremiah and Isaiah were even further back. The Jews were under the iron boot of of Rome. People were, there was corruption in leadership. Uh, There was a lot of slavery, so politically it was very difficult as well. It was some dark times. And it's always interesting um, when we go through these dark times, God has his own timing for us. And in the fullness of time, it says God sent forth his son. And when Christ was born, hope was indeed born. And that's my prayer during this Christmas season for all of us, that 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 we would have that that true hope of Christmas brings. In Luke, uh, Luke 1, verse 30, we have the visit of angel from, from Mary. She says, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. That message, do not be afraid or fear not, because fear was indeed gripping the world at that time. And imagine if an angel showed up for any of us, we'd probably be pretty afraid as well. But she said, do not be afraid, you have found favor with God. And another word for favor is grace, as I was studying this and and. um Mary needed grace just like you and I did, but she was a recipient of grace, not necessarily a giver of grace as as some may teach, Um, but she was also greatly troubled, but it showed humility in that she she asked questions. She wanted to understand what was happening, and um, she did, again, she found favor with God, and and this isn't the first message of hope. We go way back to almost the beginning of the Bible. And we, we look at Eve, and just in Genesis 4, she said, I have begotten a man with the help of the Lord. And, um, and the reason um, she, she, she declared that, I believe, was, and that she had that hope was that in Genesis 3.15, God promised the seed of, the, of a woman will be the victor over Satan and sin. And some translations actually read, I have begotten a man, the Lord. So she may have even have thought she was going to give birth to Jesus. How interesting that was. That there was hope even back then. That there was a need for hope back then. Um, not, not just today. It's interesting too when you look at Mary. Just how meek she was. And God tends to choose the meek and the mild and the weak. To confound the mighty. So God chose Mary. He said you will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. So she was dealing with eternity. His kingdom will never end. And she knew he would be the Messiah, and he made that clear. The angel made that clear. So whose son, whose son will he be? Well, not the son of Joseph. For at that point, Mary had no physical relationship with Joseph. They were going to be married but he would be the son of the Most High. 
the Lord God would give him the throne of David. God promised this in, in other prophecies that, that, that the Savior would come from David's throne. Now, there are three titles for Christ here. There's Christ, Savior, and Lord, where Christ means Messiah or anointed one. So Mary was to give birth to the Son of God who would be the Messiah. What a wonderful announcement. As we know, when Jesus came to his earthly ministry, um, there, I think there was a lot of confusion. People thought he was going to come and take over by force. There's, there's going to be a military coup or action. It's going to defeat the Romans, etc. But that wasn't what God had in mind. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have a kingdom and he's not going to reign by any stretch. We know there's another line of prophecy running through Scripture that says just that, that he will reign. Um, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and he will reign forever and ever. So with Mary and the angel, I could imagine her talking to, to Gabriel and just wondering, how can this be since I'm a virgin? But the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you with power, and the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born today, will be the Son of God. So when Jesus was born, hope was born. And, 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 Jesus, and so it's explained that in the miracle of Jesus, um, he will be born. And um, when you follow the life of Jesus, you'll see that he did indeed bring hope into the world. But let's begin with his birth, the miracle of the virgin birth. There's hope in this. As, as it says in Matthew 1.18, how is the birth of Jesus come about? His Mary Joseph was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, he was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, why is hope? Why is there hope in the miracle of his birth? Well, only one who was virgin-born could bring hope into this world. Only one who was virgin-born could be the deliverer, could be the savior. No person born in an ordinary way could truly deliver that. You and I were conceived in sin. We were born in sin, without doing anything. But so Jesus had to be born in a different way, in a supernatural way. So it's it's important to note that the virgin birth wasn't just um, incidental, it was fundamental, and it was miraculous. So Jesus, to live his life, he had to be 100% man and 100% God. And that was accomplished through what we call the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus was both true man and true God. So he required that virgin birth to be the father. Father of us. So Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And there was many answers that were given. Some said Elijah, some said Jeremiah, other prophets, John the Baptist. But Peter spoke the true words, right? When he said, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus went on to say, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven. And we can all know Jesus that way, through the Holy Spirit, through reading his word, through talking and fellowshipping with others. But we all need to ask, answer that question. Who do, you say, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Now, wherever Jesus went, he offered hope. He offered hope to the sight for the, those who were blind. He offered strength for the lame. He offered life to those who were even dead. And most importantly, he offered forgiveness of sins for all of us. There's hope in all of that. When I was 18, after high school, I joined a group called Youth of the Mission, and uh, I was in Hawaii, and we had, a, we had a day off, and we went swimming at a beautiful black sand secluded beach, 
And uh, the waves were a little bigger that day. We were excited to run out there. And ironically, there was a couple of lifeguards with us, um, friends of ours. And as we went out, having a great time. But as I was out there a little while, started to notice I was getting further from shore. And the waves were getting bigger. And it, it was I was feeling a pull. And um, as you could imagine what can happen after that, I began to get lightheaded and start to panic. I looked over at some of my lifeguard friends that were farther away. They were having a ball and too far away to even know what was going on. But I was struggling, and I was scared. I thought I was actually going to drown, probably 100 yards from shore. And I did what, what, exactly what you're not supposed to do. Well, I prayed that I was supposed to do that, cried out to God, and then I put my head down and started to swim straight to shore. And with, with undertow, you're not supposed to do that, kids, if you don't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. And something happened between being way out there in those waves, and the next moment I'm, these two women came off the beach from our party that were on the beach, and they grabbed my arm and stood me up because they saw I was struggling. And I was in three feet of water, which was, it would have been embarrassing if I wasn't so relieved just to be alive <laughs> because here I am and being saved in three feet of water at the time. So how I got from out there to where I was, I have no idea, but God does. I think sometimes that's where he wants us to be. He wants us to be in that desperate situation where we say, Jesus, you are my only hope. When we're comfortable on the beach of life, we might not always have that sense of urgency or reliance on him. That reminds me of a story of Mark 4 when a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat and it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion, which is kind of funny but hard to imagine. And his disciples said probably what I was thinking. Do you want me to drown? What's, ha- what's happening? Help, save us, please. What did Jesus do? Well, he got up, he rebuked the winds, and they were completely calm. And I know in our own storms of, of life, we find, you know, we find hope in the life of Jesus. He lived such a majestic life and such a role model for us. We can certainly see that. The good news, the good news is that God is in control, and we can place our confidence in him. He has a plan, and Acts in his time, not always our time. I think about back in the Old Testament for the Jews that were in exile for 70 years. Think about that, being exiled for 70 years. That's probably more than some of them were born there even, I would imagine. Some many died there. In the Valley of the Dry Bones, here God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. The, 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 word, the Hebrew word there that's used in the scripture about this, about this message is ruach. I don't know if you've heard of the word ruach. We've got some Bible scholars here. But it's a difficult word to actually define It means because it means a number of different things. The word ruach is used when it means breath, when the Lord is, the Spirit is breathing breath into the life, to, into these dry bones. Ruach also means wind, where it's sweeping over the people as a whole. Ruach also means spirit. And it makes me think of that verse, the same resurrection power lives in you, bringing you new life. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The same ruach is living in you. So here are the rattling sounds of bones coming together, sound of divine connections, the sound of God breathing new life into his church, into his people, the sound of the church as being a rising giant. It even describes a vast army of spirit-filled people full of power, unified in purpose. That's our prayer today, right? That, Lord, that you would breathe new life into your people. From dry bones, raise up a mighty army so that all nations would come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. For me, when I was meditating on this message of hope, I recall a story about my mom. 
it was it was 2005, and we we were here before we we moved out west. And um, my mom was 24 hours from death, uh, dying at a young age of 67 of cancer. And we were in her room around her bed and playing one of her favorite hymns, uh, "Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee." And uh, she wasn't very responsive, as you could imagine. And uh, but suddenly, as as the song was played, her her arm went up. And my dad thought something must be really wrong for her to exert any energy whatsoever. said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And this is the last words I heard my mom say were, I'm praising the Lord. God was her hope right right until the end. Because her faith in Jesus and assurance of her salvation that she was heaven-bound. There's hope right till the end. There's also hope for new beginnings. About a year ago, my wife and I were feeling the Lord telling us to come back to the to the, to the Twin Cities uh, separately, which I think was a, one of the company confirmations we had. And um, I've been through job transitions before, but never this hard. I never I never worked so hard at a looking for a job. I never prayed so hard. I never met so many people over 250 individual meetings to network and dozens more in group settings. Um, but God was faithful. He had a lot to teach me before I was going to take that job. Um, he also worked on the CEO's heart where I went. Um, we had not one breakfast but two, <laughs> just to make sure. Um, anyway, I'm so thankful to be to be back here and, and um, didn't plan to get emotional, but there I am. Um, but um, I am really thankful, and there was hope in that. And I'm so pleased to be at Presbyterian Homes and Services um, and uh, where we can pray together, and, and I don't have to be quiet about my faith. Praise the Lord. So I had to turn the switch back on there a little bit. Being in the secular world, you've got to be a little, little more tricky, especially working in human resources, as, as I do. So there's, there's hope there. So I hope it's encouraging to, to hear the stories from the Word of God, from the Bible, you know, from my own stories. And there's a verse here that makes me think of in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 7. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And I know as a body we do that all the time, and that's part of what makes Praise Free Lutheran so special. And I encourage you to continue to share your stories as well. There's also hope in the cross. Jesus came not just to be born but to die, and he tried to explain that to people, and they didn't understand he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so I will be lifted up, prophesying his own death and how he would die. Um, you may recall um, Pastor France gave us that message a couple of weeks ago in Numbers, where people were being bitten by serpents, and if, if they only looked up, they would be healed and they would be saved. Um, but, you know, we're all bitten by the disease of sin, every one of us. We all need to look up to that cross, but there is hope in that cross. There's also hope in the second coming, as Paul says in Titus. He calls the second coming of Jesus the blessed hope. So times were dark when Jesus was born. Things were difficult. And maybe they're difficult now today as well. The angel said, Christ has come, Christ has come. And I know in his second return it will be even more glorious. So we're all awaiting Christ's return. We have comfort, that we have a living hope today. We don't have to wait for his coming to have hope. It says in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What powerful words that is. But Jesus is our hope. Since the beginning, there was hope. There's hope in Christ's coming, demonstrated in his perfect life and sacrifice for us on the cross. And tomorrow as we wait his glorious return. So let me close with this verse in Romans 15, a blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may, we may abound in hope. Amen.